Mmk. Mmk. What are you doing? This is from Devs. The episode was Mmk. What's Devs? It's the show we're supposed to. It was the show we were supposed to watch. Oh, we were supposed to watch Devs. Yeah. Yeah. I watched every episode of the Cleveland show. Actually, I thought that's what we were doing this episode. I thought we were getting into the Cleveland show. We very clearly said devs last we, week. Yeah. It's Literally, weird. like, Isaac recommended it. Even now, when you guys say devs, like, there's this weird thing happening in my mind where I just hear every episode of the Cleveland <laughs> show. That is a uh, shame. I was I was curious because I watched it. I was Do like, you, I don't you... like this at all. <laughs> <laughs> so you're telling me that, like, when we said it in the text, you read Cleveland show and not devs as well. Yes. That is what I'm saying. How was that for you? I didn't like it the first time. The second time. <laughs> the second time I thought it was growing on me. By the third time, I was back to hating it again. But I don't know. We'll see where the evening takes me if there's a fourth round in my future. For example, did you ever want to go one place when the gang wanted to go somewhere else? What did you do? Did you ever want to go one place? What did you do? For example, the gang wanted to go somewhere else. What did you do? Can it be like really fake laughing? Yeah, that's fine. What's good about that oh. is now they think that there was a joke that they weren't a part of right before this. Hi, welcome to Tangent. I'm Jameson Weileman. I'm Isaac Hopwood. I am Maxwell Mahoney. And we're we're having a good old time around here. Telling jokes. Telling yeah, jokes. That you're not a part of. Yeah. Not talking about heavy subjects at all. No <laughs> f- philosophy or, I don't know, theoretical quantum physics or anything like that. Hey, but now that you're here, that's what you signed up for. We we live to provide. We do? And in a society. That didn't work at all. I don't like that. <laughs> um, <I> don't... <laughs> uh, yeah, so last week we ended off uh, begging you, pleading for you to go watch Devs. I was held at gunpoint. Yeah, and you still didn't watch Devs. But you just I'm... watched the entire episode but me being catalog held... of the Cleveland show. <laughs> me being held Three at times, gunpoint. That is. Yeah, me being held at gunpoint was unrelated to that i was just telling oh okay a story yeah well about a thing that did happen well but, but cool i guess not really in case i guess i should throw that out there that i wasn't actually held at gunpoint i am being humorous let's be moment. sure that every time we tell a joke we circle back around to like confirm its validity <laughs> or its truthfulness yeah, yeah I, th- I i think that's good in the age in this age of misinformation it's vitally important fake news i think that it's our job to deconstruct every single sentence we say even if it was said in jest perfect and that sentence was actually said in jest so so oh i'm gonna cut you off before it goes way too deep but i've created a paradox (laughs) that's good uh so that being said going forward uh if you haven't seen devs and you want to watch it we're gonna be talking about all the spoilers um i'd recommend watching it it's very cool to me we're gonna talk about if you guys liked it at all yeah um so starting now spoilers ahead that being said 
Yeah. What'd you guys think about it? Hot take. I mostly enjoyed devs. Uh, for seven and a half episodes. That's not it. Six and a half episodes I thought devs was go- doing real good. Fantastic even. Uh, and mm-hmm. then I got this sinking suspicion around around six and a half episodes into this seven episode series that Alex Garland wasn't going to be able to pull off everything he was trying to do. And I feel mm-hmm. as though, yes, I was right. He was not able to pull off everything he was trying to do. Uh, and that is, uh, and I think overall my experience with devs was positive. Uh, I think it's a very well acted, well directed show. It's emotionally involving and, uh, and also, um, the opposite of emotionally involving, whatever it means when you're, when you're intellectually involving. Uh, and yeah, I was uh, stimulated in all the right ways. And I wish I had phrased that much differently than I just did, but we're going to keep it in because that's showbiz, baby. Yeah. Yeah. Personally, I, I thought it was like, it was good. I, I'm a huge fan of pretty much all of Alex Garland's work, but I would kind of agree to it without, with uh, Jameson in a way uh, that like, I feel like he kept like putting questions on the table, but it was just like the same question to a degree um, and not really offering any evidence he, with answers. He didn't answer his question. Like or, he, or, or, well, he would, did, but he didn't provide, he did not provide the reason why he has the answer he has. Yeah. I, I mean, to a degree, like you don't need, you. I, I feel like not every movie, TV show, miniseries needs to answer the questions that they throw out to the audience if anything were we the audience are supposed to an- try to answer it ourselves however i feel like he wasn't giving us enough information to try to answer it ourselves. i think i think he gave a ton of information i feel like there's a difference between an open-ended and an open-ended ending an ambiguous ending to something like inception and what alex garland did here where he does provide an answer he sets up an issue and then he does provide an in-universe thing that happens but i don't feel like he did a good enough job of in that moment justifying that choice he made and it's the choice that the whole show hinges upon in fact like the entire conception uh, conceit that is of the show hinges on this choice and i don't feel like he did a good enough job justifying that choice and that is my thoughts. Yeah, for sure. So I'm going to I'm gonna run through. I haven't touched on my thoughts. I'm going to kind of do that as I go along. But I'm going to run through kind of a very quick summary of the show. Mm-hmm. Just really the skeleton so that if anyone did stick around that isn't going to watch the show and wants to kind of be on page with what we're talking right. about, we'll kind of be able to understand. So but you got to be careful because skeletons are spooky. Skeletons can be spooky and this is no exception. Um, but also, it's, regardless of what we said, it's overall still good. Yes, I, I feel like we, we kind of I, tore it apart, but yeah. no, it's still good. And I'm going to tear it apart further. <laughs> Which but, is fine. I mean, this yeah, yeah. the show kind of asks to be torn apart in some aspects because mm-hmm. it is dealing with a lot of big questions and yeah. a lot of controversial questions. So I'm excited to do that. But awesome. without really touching on any major plot beats, I'm really just going to give the structure of the plot to the extent that our discussion needs to be based upon. You know, you kind of just have to take our word that we enjoyed the acting, we enjoyed... The production, you know, it's a beautiful miniseries. The score is incredible. The needle drops, though. Yeah. Mm. But we're not really going to be talking exclusively about those most of the time. So that's why I'm just giving you the skeleton of the plot. But real quick, how do you want us to pronounce Sergei? Because we could do it in a fun accent. 
No, it's, it's, uh, I, I say I I'm say not really we just uh, pronounce it as the show pronounced it. Sergey. 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 So, uh, Sergei. anyways, so we start out with the show follows some employees of the tech giant company Amaya, which is headed by tech genius entrepreneur Forrest. Played by Nick Offerman. Played by Nick Offerman. Played is, wonderfully. Yeah, by Nick he's he's awesome, and. They have a development team called Devs, which you find out is working on using a quantum supercomputer to track and predict every single particle in the universe to, in essence, allow you to project a simulation of the universe at this very moment in time or in the past or in the future. So basically the idea is by using something called uh, determinism, which has to do with, you know, if you can fully understand a single particle, then you'd be able to fully understand all the particles around it. And then you can extrapolate that to everything. And so eventually you'd be able to understand the precise movements, the precise interactions between every particle in the universe. And they use that idea to be able to project forward in time or back in time. And, you know, human behavior is no exception to that because in determinism, we are just complex series of Everything particles. Everything is cause and effect. Exactly. Uh, and that's a big part of the, the ideology of the show. And, you know, Forrest uses the term of like, we're all on tram lines that we can't see. And so the whole gist of the show is that at a certain point in time that is fixed, the computer fails to make a prediction. At a certain point in the future something happens which completely deteriorates determinism and completely deteriorates everything about cause and effect. And you are following a main character named Lily Chan. Chang? Chan? Ooh. Chan, I uh, think. Someone pull up the IMDB page. I got you. And in that time, enjoy these clickety-clacks. Chan. Lily Chan. Uh, so you're following the main character, Lily Chan, who is uh, works, I believe, in encryption at this company. But it turns out that she is the hinge point of this event that happens that, that deteriorates cause and effect. And basically what ends up happening is she ends up going to devs. This is the last episode. It's really climactic and everything. Right. She goes to devs and they show her this project this projection right. of what's going to happen. And after she has seen that, she actively defies that projection, which they yeah. didn't think was possible. Right. And... That's why they couldn't see past that point is because yeah. she actually made a choice of free will yeah. and broke the laws of determinism. Right. So that's kind of like the big point of the show. Yeah, because you skipped over a whole lot of... I skipped over like... Gruesome murder si yeah. and Russian spies with... Mm -hmm. Ooh, I want to say not the best accents I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, I like that actor quite a bit, though. I don't want to rag on him and his not the best Russian accent. Which one? The Sergey? Sergey? No, not Sergey. Um, the guy who played the agent? Yeah, okay. agent guy. Because I've seen him in other stuff. Specifically, he had a really funny thing that he was on with John Oliver not too long ago. And um, he's not Russian uh, at all. And um, I don't feel he, like he pulled that accent off. Yeah. I feel like he the every, every scene he was in, the emotion of that scene, he was still able to carry it. Mm -hmm. It's just the accent I have a problem with. It. Everything else, I felt like he did a fine job. Yeah. I, I like is, This is nitpicky. Um, and, and there are certain, you know, if you look up critiques, uh, just like popular critiques, not necessarily like critical reviews and stuff, but 
popular critiques often point out the acting, but I think a lot of the acting was very intentional, uh, specifically when it comes to Nick Offerman and Allison Pill, who they are both, they, they are the heads of the devs department. Right. Uh, and of Amaya in general. And I think that they are very apathetic and very standoffish the entire time. And it's like, why are they being so passive? Right. Like just their acting is so passive. Well, because that, that's what that's like, because that's what that, that's how they view the world. That's the As whole a thing. passive. They are they are a passive part yeah. of the world. Yeah. Because it just like they, they can't really change anything. So they. Yeah. They don't believe yeah, they can change nothing. So yeah, they, they, they believe do. they believe that they've harnessed the ability to perfectly see the future yeah. and everything that will come of it, right? As well as the past. As well as the past. Yeah. So whenever you see a projection of yourself in one day doing something, then that kind of takes away any agency you may have had beforehand to yeah. do anything, right? So, or, or they would have argued that it doesn't take away any agency at all because you, you never had it. It's the illusion of free will. Yeah. The idea that you had a choice in the first place. Yeah. But since they have you know, since creating the dev system, become obsessed with this one event that will shatter determinism. They have lived their lives as just like vessels, like empty vessels that just like do whatever the system tells them to. Yeah. Even even if it's not quite as mechanical as that, like that's why they are just so like out of body so often. And that's why what? they don't feel guilt whenever they have to kill somebody for this purpose. And yeah. they don't, because the, their reality is no longer theirs. It's not even them, too. I want to shout out the the actors who play the the, the devs themselves mm-hmm. inside there. Um, specifically, a, a great, wonderful performance from... I do not know his name. I should have looked it up. He was the... Stewart. He was a priest on Lady Bird who taught them Love how to guy. cry. And uh, I remember him uh, making such a big... Uh, that was such an interesting scene in that movie in Lady Bird. And mm-hmm. then having him show up in here, and I thought he was just going to be a background character, but as the series so went on, he, he developed more and more. It's Stephen McKinley Henderson. Stephen McKinley Henderson, wonderful performance. He shows so much in his face, and I, I, I think that's great. I think he's great. Yeah, I, I really didn't do a ton of research into this, but you find out at the end of the show that Devs is actually a Roman V, so it actually means Deus. Yeah, um, which I think is kind of. Alex Garland being a little facetious since his other movie is Ex Machina and the yeah, term Deus yeah. Ex Machina yeah, is... Yeah. So I think it's kind of funny, but... Uh, well, you could see this film as a spiritual successor to... Ex Machina? Ex Machina. Yeah, because, I mean, it, it is about... Or a spiritual predecessor in some ways. I mean, as, this isn't necessarily AI. Oh, all right, well, like, we... Okay, what I mean is, like, I, I mean successor as in... Like, actual next, successor. As in, like, yeah. chronologically in... The, the world we live in yeah, yeah. this is no, I because i they essentially follow very closely connected plot lines of tech developer creates thing normal person who that is not their field gets wrapped up into it that's very much what happens in ex machina yeah. and in this film uh to different varying degrees there's even a there's even a guy gets invited to facility type of type of thing, thing. where he is mm-hmm. introduced if you replaced um Lewin Davis, yeah, uh, Oscar Isaac. Yeah. <laughs> that is with um, Nick Offerman. Like, there's a lot, a lot of similarities. Yeah, and it mm-hmm. seems like Alex Garland really likes that formula for one reason or another. And and both stories are effective, but they also have their shortcomings. Yeah, yeah. 
So well, I, wanted to, I don't know if it, it is a formula, but it's also mm-hmm. like what they, it's like a weird twist on the hero's journey. If you can call it the hero's journey, it's mm-hmm. like, it, it's literally just that person gets taken out of their element sort of thing and have to face a thing from the outside world. I'm not going to go through the whole yeah story structure wheel here, but like, you know. Yeah. And I, I think that in dev specifically, Garland really shows, you know, part of this, there's an underlying theme of the unnecessary power that tech companies have with the amount of information that they can gather. Yeah. Because both of these companies are supposed to be Google, right? Yeah. Google or Apple or any of these places that... Data mine, I guess. Yeah. Or not data mine per se, but like, yeah, data mine. Like but information like, yeah. is their currency. Yeah. Know? Or like the fact that I, I, I would say that this is more about these people who create things without thinking through it all necessarily about their like implications you yeah know? Well, yeah about the implications that's literally what uh what's his name says at that one point where he shuts off the the thing and they drop Stuart. right yeah, yeah Stuart yeah. just he literally just says like he re- you you don't you didn't you didn't realize know what, what you, you, what what you created here like yeah. like mark zuckerberg when he created facebook wasn't trying to undermine american democracy yeah <laughs> but that's a result of that and and to an extent that is the story of how they created devs yeah because Forrest lost his daughter and in a sense he he was trying to so I didn't really fully catch on to this the first time I watched it but my second watch through that I just did you know he his whole purpose was starting the devs program was to resurrect his daughter Amaya yeah and the whole thing with like the weird lab where they like they put the dead bodies and or the dead rats and stuff is you know they're able to understand everything about that rat and then resurrect it in the simulation. Yeah. Um, and it is fully like in every aspect that yeah. rat for, yes. for all intents and purposes. And in the end, after Lily and Forrest die, they're resurrected into the same sim- simulation. It's, yeah. it's the same idea. So I wanted to talk about, let's pull this up here. So I wanted to talk about uh, the simulation. I, I chatted with Max a little bit while you were still watching the show. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned, like, your prediction at the time was that they were, like, living in a simulation. Yeah. And that the dev system was, like, a controller for the simulation. Yeah, pre- yeah pretty much. Kind of like the Matrix a little bit. Yeah. Somewhat. And and that it ended up kind of being the case in some ways. There's a lot of theories out there that talk about how... We might be in a simulation. That... that, that you know, there's that scene in episode seven, which is the second to last yeah. episode, where Stuart's talking about like it's the box within a box, yeah. and the box contains everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so the idea is like the likelihood of them being the prime universe, quote unquote, like yeah. the one real universe. Yeah. Is pretty unlikely. And people would say that about our universe as well. Like yeah. people would say that it's unlikely that we don't live in a simulation. <laughs> yeah, and I think that that's kind of a very determinist point of view right my my opinion is that i think that they were living not in a simulation because whenever lily made that choice of free will it would have broken the whole thing i don't agree i don't i don't i I, yeah i kind of disagree to a certain point i feel like it wouldn't break the simulation simply because she like didn't go along with it i feel like that wouldn't break the simulation but it would break the construct of free will for sure or what do you what do you mean by that like a I feel like free will, the idea of free will and simulation are two separate concept, concepts. Um, so like, 
She can still have free will in a simulation to a degree. Yeah. But you cannot have free will in a place where there is not free will, if that well, makes sense. Well, let's actually let's actually talk about that, because yeah. I disagree you and disagree. agree to an extent. So let's talk about The Matrix for a moment, uh, a movie that I watched with you guys once and said was a dumb action movie that I didn't get. Because <laughs> uh, I was wrong, like incredibly wrong. Because movie freaking rocks. Well, no, because The Matrix is very literally about free will. Mm-hmm. very like on a philosophical level that movie is about free will it is about realizing you live in a simulation and the idea that once you are aware that you are in a simulation then you gain free will because then you realize that this is not real there is no spoon and now i can do what i want mm-hmm. is the idea in philosophy that you were born without free will and then when you realize this when you have that moment of self-actualization or it is shown to you like it is because people have to be shown it in the Matrix series. You know, no one comes to that conclusion on their own for the most part. And it's the same in this series. Yeah, it is in this series. This is the idea that once you are become aware that you are in a simulation, that is when you can then make a decision. Yeah. Once you're aware, that's when the you one, gain it. If, if, if it's possible to. Yeah. Yeah. The one deviation with devs which uh this is how i visualized it so yeah. forrest talks about how we're on tram tracks yeah and tram tracks can split right mm-hmm. right and they are set or i guess i'm thinking of train tracks but I'm, i think trams work about the same pretty yeah. much uh and it's set on a single path yeah you can't change the tracks unless you have the lever to do it yeah so in essence the dev system is the lever yeah, that changes the path. It is the it is the pill without meaning to be the pill. If going back mm-hmm. to that matrix analogy, yeah, because it is the thing that makes you realize you are in a simulation. Yeah, because it is it is because it because that's the statement it makes is you are part of a simulation. But once you are aware of that, does it change? Debs the show says yes, but I don't feel like it does that very well. I, I guess can we talk about that or do we sure. want to save that for a while? Okay, so Max, like, did you want to say something else? Yeah, I kind of wanted to go back a yeah, little bit sure. to the uh, idea of like living in a simulation means you don't have free will. Yeah, to a degree, like obviously, like w- when you live in a simulation, you're making decisions based off of that simulation. Right. However, I still feel like you, and to a degree, have free will, even though those like say like in the Matrix per se, like you're a businessman and this business doesn't actually exist. But regardless, you're still making decisions. For that business, it's just like fake decisions because it's a simulation. Yeah. But I still feel like that's free will. Yeah. Even just like just because you wake up doesn't mean that like you're you're just making the true decisions rather than the false decisions. Yeah. But regardless, those are still decisions. And I think that's where Devs touches on something that the Matrix doesn't, which is you know determinism, which has to do with right like it doesn't matter if you feel like you're making that decision like. Devs would say that even after you out of the quote unquote simulation, you still don't have free will mm-hmm. because you are still made out of particles that have predictable motion that mm-hmm. are interacting with other particles that also have predictable behaviors. Right. And then that we are able to, that no matter what, unless we have the, that, that lever, right. Yeah. We, we are preset on reaching a certain end. Yeah. Right. So I think it's kind of helpful to blend those two a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, I will I will say this right here. 
This is going to sound like a weird hot take, but I want you to roll with me. We are 100% in a simulation. I know that sounds very weird, but let me explain my thing. The world you see, that you hear, and that you feel is just what your brain tells it is. It's not the actual world. It's images your brain flashes in front of your head like a screen. What you experience as reality is your brain simulating reality. We do live in a simulation 100%. Yes, that's the reality we live in. Like, that's it. Like We just live in our own simulation. Yes, yes, that our brains kind of create for us. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, we don't hear sound when it happens because sound takes time to travel to our ears. Mm-hmm. So you're constantly living in the past, even if it's by, you know milliseconds of a millisecond of a millisecond yeah like you are in the past like it takes time for the neurons when you touch something to reach your brain to tell you you touch something yeah like you are living in the the past in a simulation created by your brain which the same question you know that brings up a question that is also brought up at the end of devs whenever lily and forrest are in a simulation does it matter right like you know in the end you know is is you know in devs whenever it is a literal simulation they're living inside of a computer the last scene you see is lily going and finding jamie again and them hugging cut to black right and the implication is that she is accepting where she is and she's choosing to live regardless yeah and i feel like there are so many things that you can argue about with philosophy and with science about does it really matter like like of our brain being a simulation or is like the way i see blue is that the same way you see blue yeah that gets into what i was even gonna mention that yeah i feel like yeah it's the same conversation right is it's all a figment of you know it's all a projection of what our brain interprets but does it really matter no Uh, because you live in a simulation so mm-hmm. uh, oh, this is my opinion, I guess, because... And there's not really a way to break it, per se. Yeah, reality is what reality is. And in the in the, the world of devs, that, like, it's called Deus because they created a world. And actually, because of all the multiverse theory stuff that the show gets into, infinite worlds. Mm-hmm. Infinite, infinite worlds. They created them in that moment. They did that. That's the thing. It's called Deus because they're God. Like it, that's, that's very, it's so literal. <laughs> yeah. like it is very, very literal. It even gets into it with the, the philosophy of it. There's so much religious imagery yeah. in this show. From episode one, like yeah. just even the music is, that's a very, very big theme. It sounds um, like a chant, like, like, a a monk, chant. like a monk chant or yeah. something like Almost that. Almost like something so, you'd like hear in a Catholic church. Yeah, yeah, or being said in Elvish while Aragorn rides into battle. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, For sure. That You don't get that, Max, because you have not seen the Lord of the Rings movies. I oh, boy. That. Uh, have yeah, you not? Uh, Wait, really? <laughs> we can talk about that Wait, later. no, that's the first tangent of this episode. Oh, is no. Max hasn't seen the oh, Lord of the Rings. Oh, no, here we go. What does it say about determinism? I know, we've been over this, Isaac. <laughs> we've been over this. I just forget that you've... How, like... You're so big into movies. Like, 
Ma- Max, you, don't even, uh, you don't have to read the books first. I'm, get, I'm getting to a point like where I'm considering just binging the movies. Max okay. has yeah, heard so okay, 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 okay. many people do a Golem impression without <laughs> even knowing hey, how the, annoying I've, it I've is. I've seen The Wait. Hobbit. <laughs> oh my god. You've seen The Hobbit? Don't, but don't, th- don't think that I'm basing my ideas of Lord of the Rings off of The Hobbit. Wait, all three of The Hobbits? Yes. Oh my god. Because I've read The Hobbit. Okay. Yeah. So th- that was a great experience for you, I bet. <laughs> yeah. The Man, Hobbit's great. Yeah, you. But give me some credit here. I own still books of all three of the movies, and oh, have that's right. for four years. You have. I was there when you got those. That's good. <laughs> Man. Okay. Well. But I've still never seen them. Yeah. You really need to. Yeah. yeah. Next week we're going to be talking exclusively <laughs> of Lord of the Rings, and Max needs to watch all of them. It is a quiz for Max. <laughs> <laughs> it is a test. It is a. It is that. Yeah. I, on another note, I actually am in the fall, uh, for my university classes i'm taking a course on tolkien and we're reading through the whole lord of the rings and i'm very excited oh, but are you yeah. reading his uh translation of beowulf <laughs> i have that on the shelf actually oh you do no i have a go copy of that i want to see if it's our same copy <laughs> dang this is the biggest tangent. no it's we've... not mine's paperback this you is for sure and... the biggest tangent we've ever gone you can, on. you can go ahead and take this back because mine is a paperback and i think it's in my car yeah, <laughs> I think it's well, that, that was from your uh, like what class was it? Religion class? Which one? History. Beowulf for History. religion. History. History. Yeah. We were gonna read okay. Beowulf, which is a thing. Like I get it's an wait, epic and you were gonna, you were gonna read the Tolkien translation? Yes, that's. I feel like Tolkien it was, probably it does was, the most. Like it was part of the curriculum for the class. Like it was a required <laughs> book to have. I had to purchase it. That's pretty. But epic. Then I dropped out. <laughs> Honestly, I mean. Bale looks pretty cool, so. Yeah, you know, you got Grendel and, uh, oh, I, I just lost everything. It's been a long time. I don't, I don't remember, I don't remember anything, Grindle. yeah. Uh, where were we? Tangent. Oh, oh right, sorry. Uh, Max hasn't seen Lord of the Rings. Oh, oh yeah, that's Monk Chance, the Monk music Chance. of the show, yeah. religious imagery. Yeah. Look at that. There, we're back, we're back. We went um, on, like, three tangents there. That's good. So I wanted to talk about, uh, yes, I wanted to talk about an idea of, uh, I came up with this phrase and I was very proud of it. I bet you were. Um, <laughs> the binary of determinism, colon. That's a video essay title. The binary. For sure. Okay, I'm not done yet. It's, it's even more so. <laughs> oh. Colon, the apathy in knowing everything and the fear in knowing nothing. Oh, wow. So anyways, I want to, this is kind of has I'm to do with. I'm going to need to memorize that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, take out your notepads. So this is the idea of, what Forrest and Katie, like everything that their character is about, and it's kind of the pitfalls of determinism, right? And at least in the sense when, when sorry, you can, might be able to hear my cat. Oh, you can hear. You could have. You, I, I have no doubt you could have heard those cats for like the last ten minutes. And I wanted to bring it up, but I thought no, it's more fun as an Easter egg <laughs> yeah. for the audience listening. Yeah, get a peep of these cats going to town. Yeah, it's pretty, but you know they're. They're just at the door meowing. They're at the door, they're at the door vocal, meowing. vocalizing. Yeah. How uh, fun is that? It's great. So, you know, they are so apathetic because they know the future. And then whenever Lily breaks that future, like, it is nothing but absolute fear, you know? And I think it... I disagree. Actually, because I feel like the moment she breaks that future, like, she releases them. And, like, the, 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 the look I saw on their face was first confusion and then joy. Of like that was not what I got. I, I, did I not got get absolute that. terror. Yeah, I did that. too. 
You no, didn't see I got it? Terror. I felt like relief. I, I I saw them being scared for a moment, but like I felt this release. I thought like mm-hmm. they know now. They know. They know that they're free. I, I would say <laughs> to a degree that like throughout the show they took comfort in the fact that they had tram lines. Yeah. That, that like no, to, because to a degree, like they couldn't blame themselves I think for they, some of the actions. I think they started out that way, but like Forrest is eaten up with guilt for all the death and hurt he causes like there's that scene where they're just sitting in the field and they talk about um about whether or not we have magical we're magical thinkers which we we assume we have free will which we don't that is her trying to convince him that hey it sucks that sergey got dead by the way sergey died ah i know (laughs) (laughs) they killed him yeah they they, oh they super killed him (laughs) but but i think that it's kind of the whole time is them wrestling their human empathy yeah to bring that up again yeah to wrestle their their natural human empathy with their brain which to them they know that they have no choice and they know that they are on these tram lines that are absolutely bound for this destination okay i there's a chance i was projecting onto them in those moments you you were just so happy no yeah because i'll be i'll be real with you guys in a way that i'm a little bit uncomfortable with i watched the first episode of death devs months ago before we even talked about having a podcast together or well not not have not having a podcast but this podcast together yeah and um my brain does this thing where it'll latch on to a concept and then it won't let me not think about it uh to a point that it kind of becomes agony <laughs> that's a weird way of putting it i think that some people call it obsessive whatever I don't want to get into it because I feel like talking about it in these kind of terms is uh, ignorant of me and I don't want to diagnose myself with something. I feel like that's stupid, especially when there are people who actually deal with stuff. But like when I watched the first episode of Devs, I felt numb on the inside and I just had to, I shut down for like a day or two. That's a weird thing to say, but it's very much the truth is that all I could think about from those days was free will and how it applied to me. And it was a very sad time for me because I, I, because it was literally, and it's just, it's not so much that like the, the ideas itself were like new to me or anything, but it's just that for some reason in that moment, my brain just latched onto him and it just kept like a hamster wheel that I couldn't get off of inside my head. It just, these ideas floating around of like, there's no meaning. (laughs) And that's, that's a hard thing for your brain to process on a near constant basis for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. it's not even the first time something like this has happened to me with an idea before it's something that i've dealt with all my life is that if an idea comes across that's particularly challenging to my worldview i'll beat myself with it uh and that sucks a little bit i'll yeah. be real with you so i was actually apprehensive about returning to this show and i didn't say that to you guys because that is an embarrassing thing for me i guess or an uncomfortable thing you know i definitely had a point to this didn't i <laughs> yeah well I don't know what it was now. I, uh, I can pretty easily go off of that point, and you can return to it if you need to. Thank you. But, I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry, sorry for getting heavy, audience members. No, but but the thing is, this idea is pretty heavy, right? Because mm-hmm. our, you know, whether or not we want to accept it, and I know there are yeah. people out there who don't believe in free will. That's but, what it was. I'm sorry. I, I don't mean mm-hmm. to cut yeah, you off. That release was me feeling relief. Cause even, because even though I don't feel like the show supported its opinion well enough that for her to have made a free will decision like that. Yeah. Cause the show's basic after that. Like it doesn't say like, it doesn't talk about her 
He doesn't talk about that. There is no spoon moment of her like realizing that. Forrest grabs her by the shoulder and says, you're the special one. I feel like that's lame. I feel like it's like, you were able to do this because you were special is a lame yeah. way of doing that. The I chosen like, one. Yeah, that's. Yeah. I feel like that's a dumb narrative decision. A yeah. decision. Like I, I get that a lot of the show is about her character and how she constantly rebels and they set up that she would rebel. But um, why she's special, why she's the only one who gets to do that out mm-hmm. of anyone. Maybe they're trying to say something about her spirit as a person. Like they even have that talk about like, are we magicians yeah. in that one point? But like, that was my release in that moment for those characters where I'm like, you get to, you get to, you get to have free will. Yeah. And that was happy for me, even though you, maybe you guys are right. Maybe that is terror, you know, but that's how I. And and in the end, yeah. you know, we can trust that Katie, who's Allison Pill, like yeah. that her life will probably be better after this. Like, understanding that all of their lives will be better i mean right like, yeah and yeah. and i wanted to circle around to this article that i read from the atlantic I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes to it but it has to do with the idea of free will and does it matter what the truth is about it versus the impact it has on our psychology right yeah. so regardless of what you believe about free will right. there's ample evidence that the belief of free will increases agency increases confidence yeah. increases happiness right so right. you know like for people so the i won't go into like the nitty-gritty of the experiment exactly but um so i'll read this little quote from here it says when asked to take a math test with cheating made easy the group primed to see free will as an illusion proved more likely to take an illicit peek at the answers when given the opportunity to steal uh, to take more money than they were due from an envelope of $1 coins, those who be- whose belief in free will uh, will have been undermined pilfered more. And then alternatively, they measured to the extent that uh, which a group of day laborers believed in free will, then examined their performance on the job by looking at the supervisor's ratings. Those who believed more strongly that they were in control of their own actions showed up on time for work more frequently and were rated by supervisors as more capable the belief in free will turned out to be a better predictor of job performance uh, than established measures such as self-professed work ethic and so Mm. forth. And those are just a a couple of ways of measuring. But I think what we can take from that is, you know, people who believe that they, that their actions have consequences and then their, their actions actually mean something. They are more likely to succeed, not only in like the business sense, but like in the actual, like, life sense right like you live life to the fullest whenever you believe that your actions actually mean something and that that doesn't talk about like the philosophy of whether or not that's actually true or factual or like what the science is behind it but it you know we are we as a species are clearly you know we're meant to like our brains are wired to believe in free will and act with that belief in that agency if that makes sense yeah can we just talk about our own theories or do we want to wait and save that for later or something like that? Can I talk about my thing? Yeah. Free will, I guess. All right. Like, whether, whether like in real life, we, like we our, believe in it? Yeah. Or I, I just want to give my spiel, I guess. Sure. Because I've had so much time to think about this. Because like I said, I, I'll be real with you guys. I developed my own opinion on this stuff in that like two or three day span where mm-hmm. I was being miserable with myself. Real quick, before you dive in, yeah. Max, did you have anything you wanted to bring up? Yes. Uh, I did not. I'm 
Okay. Still processing. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Sorry. This process. is a yeah. lot. But again, I feel this is weird because I feel like I have a slight leg up on you guys because my brain hates me. <laughs> um, but uh, it's raining and it's beautiful. It is. Yeah. I have a couple things to say. I, I believe in, I don't believe in free will up to a point. That's a weird thing to say. But here's my thing. I, what, what do you mean by that though? Like Every I'm, human being on the planet is shaped by their environment, not by who they are. There are two okay. things that make you who you are as an individual. Mm -hmm. It is your environment, your brain chemistry. Mm -hmm. And it is those two things interacting with each other that shape who you are as a person. Someone who grows up in an area of racist people probably is going to be racist uh, because that's their environment. And we see that. We see that. Like you are your environment. However we have logic and reasoning and we have recall our ability to have memory and to recall experiences and then use that as a, as, as imperfect as a system as that is. And our ability to use that memory, recall, logic, and reasoning, these things kind of the, the idea of a determinism and particles interacting with each other is super reductive because how those particles interact with each other is amazing. Like your brain is a supercomputer that can, run logic and reasoning and it can figure things out and it can make decisions based on logic and reasoning i'm i think that there's an extent to where my brain runs on autopilot in which i don't use those things and in those moments i do not have free will if i suddenly decide i want a burger it's probably because something in my environment triggered my brain to think about burgers and then mm -hmm. i wanted to go get a burger and that's not free will that is those particles interacting with each other mm -hmm. but also i'm also able to capture that thought if I'm able to self-actualize and I can use logic and reasoning behind that and I can decide not to get a burger. Mm. But also, are, is, that, is that logic and reasoning there because of my environment? It's an endless rabbit hole of whatever. I think that we have the ability to use logic and reasoning. I think, unless those are illusions too, in which I don't think they are because logically they are not. But I think that... It's a foolproof argument right there. Yeah, I know, isn't it though? Someone else will tear me apart for this and I'm fine with it, whatever. But like, if I can use logic and I can reason correctly and there's a debate to, you know, whether or not I can, I can make decisions based on past experience. I cannot touch a hot stove or I can choose to touch a hot stove. If I have a memory of that stove being hot, I can use that memory to tell myself that will hurt. And then it's based on my brain chemistry to say, do I want to hurt right now? <laughs> Which is weird. But like we have the ability to take in information and use that and reason and logic. And I think that in within that mechanism, what we can call free will exists. But that involves being aware that you live in a simulation. It involves that matrix philosophy. Uh, and I'm, yeah, that's my thought on that, I guess. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree no, that. that makes and, sense. Yeah. and I think, you know, the one of the big counterpoints, it's not necessarily counter, but it's just yeah. in addition to, is the idea that there, there there is something more than just brain chemistry. Right. Which is kind of a hard conversation, especially when our, our conversation so far today has been very scientific. But it's the idea of, you know, a vast majority of the people on the planet believe in afterlife or believe in the, the soul the soul yeah and if not the soul then like more of just like the spirit and like something within us that's not fully physical 
Well, the show even mentioned, what was it? Like the idea of consciousness, like our very consciousness, our ability to think and perceive reality as being a thing that can affect and have change on reality itself. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's an interesting, you know, like point to put in there. Your cats are perceiving that door right now. They've been <laughs> scratching on it. Uh, they are. Maybe the rain's bothering them a little bit and they're yeah. trying to get some get some movement. But. Yeah. Solace. So, so yeah, you know, it's 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 a it's something that we don't have the answer to, but it's always interesting to talk about. Yeah. And I here's my thing about it all that I I never understood. These ideas don't make me less empathetic towards people. They make me more. Hmm. Like my enemy is my enemy as a result of not always things they've had the ability to control. People get hurt and hurt people, uh, hurt people, you know, whatever that phrase, but it's true. We are the things that people pour into us. And sometimes this person I'm angry at, this person who said something I disagree with, someone who said something terrible online on the internet, somebody who hurt another person, that person is actually someone I can empathize with as a person who's not always fully in control of the way their brain works. And that sucks. But also, because of this knowledge and the fact that we know human beings can change, we can put out good ideas into the world and we can make each other better because that's what it is. is The more knowledge we have, the more we have the ability to use logic and to reason. And those things can be sources of fantastic empathy for one another as human beings. Once we know that this person is somebody who can be helped, no matter how far gone they they seem they are, and maybe... I don't want to get into the argument that there's someone a point where it's too far gone, but even these people that we find despicable, and I'm not saying we don't fight against bad ideas or even mock them. I'm all for it. When people do bad things, it's important that we fight back against that, but also we can use empathy and learning. And once we can share knowledge with each other, we can be Neo waking people up in the matrix and showing them that this is a simulation, but we can love each other. You know, and that's something yeah. I never, I never understood about Nick Offerman and what's her name's character is that they, they find this out and they, instead of sharing what they've learned or, and sharing their ideas with the world, they do cut themselves off and they use it for, for personal gain. And so, and they would argue that they had no choice, but to use it for personal gain. But I, that's clearly a result of their environment. Who yeah. They are as yeah. people. I, I think one, one interesting concept that the show kind of discussed is like, 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 obviously, we're talking about, like, there's no free will in the show. Yeah. But regardless, they're not making those decisions simply because they don't have free will. Regardless. Like, yeah. they, they make those decisions still because they have a reason in their mind. Yeah. Like, like I, I think that uh, whatever, I, I can't remember the character name, but the, the kid. Uh, what was his name? Lyndon? Lyndon. Yeah. So, like, uh, the, the scene on the bridge. Like, um, I remember, like, Katie specifically telling him that he's, in a few moments, he's going to get out. And he's going to stand on the concrete. And like at the time for him, that was like, that's completely outrageous. Why would the heck would I do that? Yeah. Uh, and then like as she goes throughout explaining why he's going to be doing that, it ends up like making perfect sense to him why he would do that. And then he does it. So like he didn't have free will in that moment. He still ended up doing it. But he regardless still had that justification for why he's doing the thing he's doing. He wasn't doing it for no reason, simply because he didn't have a choice. He had a reason to do it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And are you arguing that that is or is not free will? I, I mean, I, w- I would say it's still not free will, but we still make those decisions for a reason. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. Like, and like, and, and maybe that reasoning 
is enough. Mm-hmm. You know that, what I mean? That's like, what, yeah. when I was talking about earlier, that's kind of what I meant. Like, was existing within the mechanism of reality are the, the building blocks to reason and to making decisions based on logic and reasoning, even if those logic and reasonings are flawed. And within that mm-hmm. mechanism, perhaps we can ascribe the phrase of what we call free will. Maybe it's not exactly what we feel it is in our brains, but maybe, you know, within how our brains work, within recall, yeah. within logic, within yeah. reasoning. And this could all be hopeful talk as well. Yeah. I know I sound like such a pessimist this episode. Well, you know, uh, but on the flip side of that, yeah. right? we don't live in the matrix or yeah, at least I know. If, I, if I've, we, used, I've used that as a metaphor but, but a if we times. did there's nothing we could do about it yeah right but the I, the point is is maybe getting out of the matrix in this sense right is making conscious decisions and taking agency against our natural desires yeah uh, for laziness for, for laziness yeah. or for apathy going on autopilot or indifference yeah. or autopilot right like Actively rebelling against those tendencies are maybe, maybe that's the way that we can use our free will whenever our chemistry is trying to take over. Yeah. Right? Mindfulness. Yeah. That's if, if we can put any agency out into the world, it is through mindfulness and about thinking about our actions, about, about ascribing, about tracing back our thoughts. Why do I do this all the time now? I think, why am I making the decision I'm making right now? Mm -hmm. And it's surprisingly helpful to me. It really contextualizes why I'm doing things right now. There is a trail in my head, even if it's a false trail of why I'm thinking the way that I do. For instance, um, that song, I I played a a goofy song for you guys earlier. It's like Blue Moon or something like that. Yeah, Blue Moon. It's the the final song to the end of the the movie An American Werewolf in London. (laughs) It's a... Fantastic needle drop moment in that movie. Tangent the second. How about that? We're talking about American Werewolf in London. But I could have at the time that I played it, it's lost to memory now. And I even think I did in the car with you trace back why I was playing that song right then in that moment with you. Uh, when I, before I, I did, I did it in my head, but when I was choosing a song to put over your car radio, I did think, I, I had already knew that it was going to be Blue Moon. Mm-hmm. And then I walked back why it was Blue Moon in my head. Because mm-hmm. I do that now. And, I, and, and there's some things I'm just okay with having on autopilot. Because there's a reason my brain wanted to hear Blue Moon. And my brain... Released, and it satisfies. And my brain released dopamine when it heard it. It That's was right. like, oh, baby. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's, let's hear that nonsense. He starts that song off with that beautiful scatting. And then we'll get into the lyrics that aren't that great. But, oh, we're grooving. You know, we're, we're, go, we're grooving. Yeah, and you good. get that serotonin now. And I'm like, thank you, brain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, I mean... These are all big ideas, but I think we can, by taking agency, by being mindfulness, uh, by, by being mindful, it's kind of acting on that free will that we do have. And there's evidence to show that that, that is helpful. So let's... Uh, can we, I, if we don't have enough time, cut this out or whatever, but can we talk about little small moments that we liked from devs? I mean, outside of big ideas or plot, we can talk about uh, structure and screenwriting and all that stuff, just even if for like a five minute period, because I would love that jazz if we could. Can we? I mean, yeah, we can talk about that jazz. Good. We are now entering the fun zone of the <laughs> podcast, the nerdy zone. <laughs> none of that, none of that non-nerdy talk about 
philosophy and philosophy quantum physics we didn't even get into the whole oh man multiverse theory that the show was going on there for a second you know go watch the show if you haven't there's so much that we didn't talk about because we couldn't could... because it would yeah. take and it's we're, way we're out of our league talk. honestly there's, there's yeah. also so many characters we haven't even mentioned we're out of our depth speaking of characters we haven't mentioned when did you guys know the homeless guy was a russian agent i, I want to hear when did you know and it's cool uh, if it was in that moment. I mean, I never knew, but I I knew, like, obviously there was something going on with him because, like, he kept showing up. And I was like, well, he can't keep showing up if there's right. no reason. First first, first watch through, yeah, it, I didn't know for sure anything until he busted in and saved Lily. But second walk through, I mean, second watch through, obviously knowing that he was, it's pretty, it's one of those things that's like, it's obvious if you're vigilant, but... The idea that he was a Russian agent popped in my head when he stared down um, the world's worst human being. Uh, and I can say that without empathy because he's a television character and I can hate him with my entire body and passion. <laughs> and I do. Kenton, was that his name? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, that guy sucks. The security uh, guard. Yeah, when when Mr. Russian agent stared him down and uh, he's like, you aren't afraid of me, why is that? And that's when it occurred to me in my head that a homeless guy is going to have a bigger part in this. Which is something I actually really love about this series is how they introduce something that you think is going to be a background element and then it becomes into the full ground. That's something that's great. I love that of this show. We talked about minor characters uh, getting bumped up. But then there's a moment where uh, Jamie, right? Mm -hmm. That's his name, is talking to Mr. Russian, uh, Mr. Homeless Guy Russian Agent. Pete. And Pete is his name. Uh, which we can uh, we can then free associate his name is Peter, <laughs> you know with a Y. He, There's a Y. In I don't there. think he's Russian. I, he's Russian in ethnicity. Whenever he draw, like he he had like a character talks, voice, quote unquote. He, he he counted down in Russian. I know. I think he was like an American hired by the Russian agency. Like I think, you, or maybe you were, you were talking like a man who's never seen the television show The American. But that's for another. Day. No, I'm just saying. I'm, I'm just saying. Like, like after he kills Kenton, and then he starts. Like, he had like a weird like accent before, yeah. but then he drops the accent, and it's a, it's just a normal American accent. Also, Peter might be my favorite character in the show. I should mention that even for like a Peter SMP. Yeah, the, the homeless guy. Yeah, he might be my Is favorite name character Peter? in the show. Yeah, actual, actual. I don't know. I'm calling him Peter now. Okay, and in my head, it's spelled with a Y. He's cool. It's super Russian. He's cool. Like, there's that scene where that guy's just playing the guitar out in the park, and he's like, and just he's like dancing. dancing, dancing. With that that yeah. is a Russian agent who knows when to find joy in like the moments, <laughs> or he's like method acting. You know? <laughs> like that man's like method. You know, he's, yeah. he's he's a Daniel Day Lewis in his part. He's yeah. like a homeless man would dance to this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you said that there was a specific moment. Uh. He's talking to Jamie. Earlier in the show, Jamie's like, I'll pay you 10 bucks if you never talk to me again. Right? And uh, he gives him 750 <laughs> if I remember correctly. It was not 710 maybe. It was not the correct amount. No, he gives him 20 No. He does. You're incorrect. I'm pretty sure it was 20 It was 20 He said, I, all I've got is a 20 Hmm. That might be Freudian. I remember he gave, him, <laughs> <laughs> he gave him more than he offered in the first place. I thought it was less. It was more. No, Fine. It was more. Doesn't, Doesn't matter. matter. It's cool that it's more. Doesn't really affect any change in any way. Okay. In what I'm saying. So moments later, uh, after they returned from that uh, episode seven, they returned back to Lily's uh, apartment after having a talk with Forrest and um, Katie. Katie. Yeah. They returned back there uh, and Pete looks up at Jamie and says, oh, I remember, I remember our deal. I'm not going to say nothing. Nada, zilch, niet, which is the no. Russian word for no. 
And that's when I knew, that's when it was confirmed in my head that he was the Russian agent. That is very, very yeah. good. I, that, that is definitely not, that did I not enter my that. suspicion at all. That is clever. And that's probably really good writing too. Oh yeah. Like I, 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 I knew in that moment, I, I suspected because here's the deal. I, some of this just goes into like knowing about screenwriting. You don't introduce an element in the first half of your thing if it doesn't have a payoff. The Russian guy being shown in that episode and then dying in the most horrific neck snap ever filmed on anything oh, ever. Oh, jeez, yeah. Yeah, like that is an element that is introduced and then it has no payoff because he's dead. So you have to think to yourself, where's the payoff to this Russian thing that just happened? Unless it was a one episode payoff. If you're a good writer, you have a payoff to that yeah. and then here comes this character pete he's always out in front of the the house and i'm thinking in my head he's here now he's showing protective sort of qualities towards lily and then uh he's not afraid of kenton there's even like an almost immediate adversarial thing in there because like you know kenton's ex-cia right yeah and here's a literal russian agent enemy of the state right <laughs> in front of him there's this adversarial tension based on like who they are as people immediately mm -hmm. i think they recognize that in each other but kenton's a kenton, too stupid and dumb yeah to i don't think kenton fully catches on like it probably is in the back of his mind but he's so fired up by the time he goes to take out yeah. jamie and lily that he doesn't even think about it yeah so um, like it's it's there it's always there and i'm thinking in my head this is my payoff because alex garland is a good screenwriter so yeah. he will have a payoff to an element that he introduced. Yeah. And so with that in mind, which is not how you're supposed to watch TV, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Like, I should mention this. This is not the correct... If there is a correct way, there is no correct way to watch or engage with art. It's however you want to. That's yeah. the beautiful thing about art is that it's personal. Yeah. But in, in, if with that in mind, my head, I knew that he was a Russian agent. I kind of, you know, at a certain point in watching shows and movies and stuff, I kind of stopped trying to guess what would happen in the movies and in the television shows, just because it's the same reason why I stopped filming videos at concerts. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's the same root in me that's just like, I just want to like, be there, yeah. right? Because I found that the payoff for being convinced and then like feeling the jar like the jarring movement of like oh suddenly he's the russian agent like being kind of fooled quote unquote yeah. by alex garland i find that more enjoyable even though with some critical thinking i may have been able to figure it out yeah yeah i, I found that just being in the waves of it is I, enjoyable i to will me. say that i felt real joy hearing him say not yet Niet in that yeah. moment. That because you figure it out, like, like it clicks. I was like, "Your boy is the embodiment of Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> I am the master of deductive reasoning." <laughs> yeah, give me some heroin. I'll shoot it up and I'll serve <laughs> a murder. <laughs> That's because Sherlock Holmes uh, used heroin. I'm not a heroin yeah. user. It's canonical Any, anymore. <laughs> Shut up, Max. <laughs> <laughs> um. Wow. Okay. This was all said in jest. That's a little callback. <laughs> a little callback. Look what we're doing. We That's have our good. own callbacks. Um, yeah. Max, did you have anything you wanted to point out about the show before we move to the break? I think I'm good. Okay. Yeah. Uh, watch Devs. Yeah. And uh, let's go to the break.
break music. Insert the break music. so off time from each other it hurts me it hurts my body <laughs> it's physical it's physical uh well welcome to the podcast recommends um where we give you more oh. things to read watch listen enjoy ponder a recommendation you could say it's a recommendation <laughs> uh i'm gonna start this week because mine is directly in front of me nice uh it is a novel called einstein's dreams by Alan Lightman. Have either of you read this? I don't read. Uh, <laughs> Your recommendation two weeks ago was a book. Oh, I even wanted to talk about that because that book has a lot to do with free will. <laughs> that would have oh. been so great for this episode. Ah, but now I won't. Perfect. <laughs> Max, you said you hadn't heard it? No. So it's no. a very good novel. Uh, it's really short. Let me look at the page count. 140. So it's Ooh. really short. Uh, and it is... Um, I've read cereal box, the backs of cereal boxes that were longer. I butchered this. <laughs> <laughs> it had good bones. I like it. Okay. Um, it is, it's really enjoyable. Uh, I'm kind of sticking with the science theme of this episode. If, if you enjoyed listening to this episode of the podcast, you would probably enjoy this book. It is kind of historical fiction a little bit. So it's called Einstein's Dreams because it's about uh, a series of dreams that Albert Einstein had, supposedly. I mean, it's fiction. Uh, a series of dreams he had when he's trying to come up with the theory of relativity. Each of the chapters is like five pages maximum. And they're each a different dream where time works completely differently. And it's really fascinating because on top of it being like... When was uh, that published? It was published in like, I mean, the 20th century. Um, oh. 1993. Do you think that had any influence on Inception? Hmm. With the dreams working at different times? It could have. Maybe, yeah. I mean, so it... it uh, well, it's generally more complex and more creative well, than I bet. that. I, yeah. Uh, yeah. Because... Inception's the least creative thing on the planet. I mean, it's just like, time is fast, time is slow, yeah, time is yeah. slower. Christopher Nolan's lame, <laughs> uncreative, and he's never done anything interesting. I will not be in the front row of Tenet whenever it is released in theaters, whenever that is. I will not be in the in front IMAX. row. In IMAX. Yeah, in IMAX, watching every single second of that in Rapture. That is not my current plan. <laughs> you heard it. You, you heard it here. Jameson hates Nolan. Yeah, hot take. Hot wow. take. I don't have a steel book of Inception in my and, house. Hey, right listen, now. listen, wait, listen. He didn't say it in jest, so you know it's true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so each of the chapters is different. It's a different way to view time. So like some of them are like time is cyclical and like time is only one day and it repeats over and over or Grand like no one ever dies. And so like everyone is always like subject to the judgment of their parents and their parents' parents. And it's like no progress is ever made because like older generations are always being so judgmental of younger generations and you feel so much pressure. Huh, I can't relate to that. At all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and my personal favorite one is the idea that um, there's one that talks about how time moves slower whenever you're further off the ground. Um, hmm which is opposite to how time actually works whenever you're... Yeah, that was his, like, that's what Einstein's theory of relativity, like... Yeah, like, higher gravity, like, gravity yeah. and time are related. It's almost like there was a movie that had this concept <laughs> in it by a well-known science fiction director. <laughs> Inter... Interstellic? 
Something like I'll, that. It'll come to me, maybe. <laughs> um, but my favorite, this is my favorite because it touches on human, like like the way that society is built around things that we commoditize. Com- yeah. Commodity. Oh my goodness. I can't think. Of, I had it at the tip of my tongue too and now it's gone forever. So, you know, <laughs> in this world where time is, it's only like a couple seconds where it's like a millisecond. It's like very minor, but it becomes the object of status, right? So people live on top of mountains and the higher altitude you live, the richer you are because time moves slower. So you live longer. And this society is built on just like having the highest possible structures for luxury's sake. Oh, that's but, crazy. But what that it, makes it seem like people with more wealth live longer than poor people. Exactly. It's not something that exists in reality. <laughs> that we would... It's a literal, that, it is a literal hierarchy. Yeah, literally. Yeah. But 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 the irony in it is that people built so high yeah. that the air is so thin that it's unhealthy to live that high. Oh. And they start they after generations they've forgotten why they live so high. It's just how it works. And their lifespans are actually shortened because of the conditions living so high off the ground and the altitude being so thin. So the middle ground. That's so where you want to be. <laughs> yeah. So so it's like you know it flips it on its head in the sense yeah. that it's like people's pride. And people's desire for power drove them to like it, it's the total opposite result. And there's so every story like the in in Einstein's dreams kind of twists time in a certain way that's very interesting. And you can read you know you can read a chapter in like ten minutes, and so you can just like get through it in a couple weeks at a really steady pace, and it's really awesome. So yeah, um, Einstein's dreams by Alan Lightman. Thank you. Know? I'm sorry for interrupting. It's okay. It's good. <laughs> I liked it. Max, you want to go? Uh, sure. Um, I'll be honest, I haven't uh, watched or read, played much media. Okay, well, shame late. you for that. On the count of three, we'll say shame <laughs> once. That's just Isaac and I and you at home. <laughs> One, two, three, shame. Oh, it was just me. Now I feel shame. This is weird. Wouldn't it be this funny if I would have said shame? You should have, but now the moment's gone. <laughs> so anyway. Uh, shame, Jameson. Oh, shame. God, no, it hurts. So, uh... I, I recently rewatched Jaws, and I just kind of like am a little bit amazed of just like how great Steven Spielberg is. Like, obviously, Steven Spielberg's great, but like, well, I don't know, is he Christopher Nolan? <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, this is like probably one of his. How, how many films did he made? Spielberg. Yeah, like let's like, count I, I, them all from the beginning. No, no, like like, like before Jaws. We'll like start I, I know, with I know his he television did, movie Duel. He, yeah, yeah, Duel about like the the tire that's like. Or no, it's the car. No, it's the it's car. It's like, like a truck that's like a yeah, truck that's chasing, chasing down someone. Duel. Uh, then he did like a episode of Columbo. Which the first like, episode of Columbo. Yeah, the yeah, which is possibly the best one. It's it's it is great. So good. The like, the first shot of it is amazing. How mm-hmm. it like starts on the street and then pans in through a window into mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's good. I don't mm-hmm. Watch Columbo, maybe. Columbo is pretty great. I actually think that's for free on YouTube right now. I think they uploaded like almost every episode of Columbo. Yeah, I think Columbo has a YouTube channel where you can watch for free. Well, no, I know Columbo is also on uh, IMDb TV, which is like a another free streaming service. Yeah, so you have no excuse not to watch Columbo. Is the main <laughs> point we're talking about. Here. Yeah, but also continue talking about Jaws because this is not the podcast recommends Columbo. <laughs> we uh, I am recommending Jaws. Yeah, and anyway. Uh, I was just like a little bit taken aback. Like no- normally, I feel like people don't consider Jaws a horror movie. When I would go to Blockbuster back in the day, man, Blockbuster, <laughs> uh, like I would find Jaws in the action section. Like you know, you know what I mean. 
personally. Blockbuster yeah, messed up. Yeah. yeah, that's a weird thing to... Because I don't like... There's not even like a ton of action in Jaws. Yeah. Like it's mm-hmm. a very... It is a movie of subdued moments and mm-hmm. then sudden moments of yeah. not subduedness. And that's the I'd correct say term. Thriller? Yeah, I suspense, see, I suspenseful see, thriller. I can see, yeah. see thriller. Well, it's kind of like a B-movie yeah. creature uh, feature. IMDb puts it under adventure thriller. Yeah, all right. Which sure. is interesting. There well, is definite adventure elements. Yeah, but also like the movie is surprisingly gory. Yeah, like, like I, I typically when I when I think of movies from the seventies or even sixties, I don't think of that much gore. I think of mild blood. But no, there's like a lot of blood in this movie. Like like when you see like a shark attack in the water, it's like the entire like yeah twenty five foot radius is just like pools yeah. of blood. But you got that shot with the leg dropping mm-hmm. to the bottom and it's like yeah. a trailing of blood yeah. like a like a like a mist of blood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a child's foot, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh and a lot of it's pretty horrific for a movie that was made in 1975 for sure. And so much of it's the sound design. Yes. Uh giving credit to John Williams as well. Uh like for for the score. Which is well, I, I get the score, but I mean like the literal. No, no, no. Like, I know what you mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like the like, uh, like that that the sound of that lady getting dragged underwater mm-hmm. in the like the opening attack of that movie mm-hmm. bothers me, and that's a good thing, I guess, because yeah. you want it to, because you shouldn't watch a person getting eaten by a monster and think to yourself, huzzah, you know, <laughs> yeah, get out. Which is actually something you find yourself doing with a lot of monster movies. Mm-hmm. You're, just, you're rooting for the monster and i don't do that in jaws i yeah. feel that horror and that panic because mm-hmm. you will also spielberg does such a good job of contextualizing it like it's like this lady and you you're with her the whole time she's being eaten and you don't mm-hmm. see the monster and it's just this horrifying thing and then it's and then you don't really you're not up and close and personal with the kid like you are with her you are to an extent but also you're like with that kid's mom mm. and that's the rough that yeah. like seeing the horror on her face yeah but yeah so yeah jaws is great movie still great revisit yeah. it yeah please Re- revisit jaws can we talk about the cleveland show <laughs> no absolutely not uh i don't i don't actually ever want the cleveland show to be mentioned on this podcast ever again you gotta hold we gotta hold each other to that <laughs> Uh, unless we want to do an entire episode on the Cleveland show, I might go full. Either we do it, we either we don't do it at all, or we become a Cleveland show podcast. <laughs> I wish you guys could see Isaac's face right now. <laughs> Anyhow, um, my actual uh, recommendation is a show called Better Off Ted. Better Off Ted lasted for two seasons, two seasons of wonderful, quirky comedy with likable characters uh and very very clever writing it's a show about how this corporation mistreats its employees and their struggle to exist as moral individuals in a corporate society that doesn't care about morality at all it is is this one man's struggle to be an ethical man and to be a good man in a world and in a situation where it doesn't matter because of you know, whatever rampant capitalism and apathy uh, towards workers. It also has just wonderful characters, these two goofy scientist characters. The show's kind of sci-fi. It has a bunch of really, not really sci-fi, I would call it very light. The first episode, they freeze a person in cryogenesis just because they can. <laughs> like, that's the episode the company decides that they're just going to freeze one of their 
employees in a cryogenesis chamber just to see if they can do it. They don't really care if he's dead or not. You know, it's it's stuff like that. The show is, it's a very clever commentary on how corporations don't care about the workers. They don't care about you as the consumer, but also about how the people working there have to struggle to be moral people in a very immoral environment. And it does all that while also balancing character drama that's funny and unique and just, oh, it's hilarious. I love this show. It's so funny. It's so unique. Uh, also, um, I don't know if anybody here has seen Arrested Development. But, of course. Yeah. What's that? Arrested Development? Never heard of it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Portia de... Uh, oh, I'm going to butcher that last name. Portia de Rossi, I think. Rossi? Portia de Rossi. Uh, she is in the show as uh, a, a boss, uh, one of the bosses, and she is hilarious. It's, it's It rivals her character on Arrested Development and just how much it makes me laugh. So... I hope I said that name right. Um, Portia de Rossi. Portia de Rossi. Yeah, nailed it. I mean, so um, if you liked her on Arrested Development, you can watch her on uh, Better Off Ted as a completely different character that is equally funny and equally unique. And uh, it's that's and also I should mention the the camera movement and editing and music of the show is unique to the sitcom format. There's a lot of these. Uh, tracking shots and monologues delivered right to the uh, to the audience, uh, breaking the fourth wall, and just clever direction and very upbeat tempo. The editing's great. It's a fantastic show on all fronts. I can't recommend it enough. Watch Better Off Ted. Perfect. Right. Um, <laughs> this has been tangent. This week is kind of a heavy one. It's but... a yo-yo. It's it's been big laughs and big. Big sad. Big sad. Again, we're a comedy conversationalist podcast. Supposedly. <laughs> yeah, supposedly. Um, yeah, for sure. So, uh, you know, some weeks will be more focused. Some weeks will be all over the place. I feel like next week is probably going to be more all over the place. We yeah. are still establishing our identity mm-hmm. and finding a groove, finding a tramway, <laughs> uh, um, you know, discovering who we, we are. are. We are in our infancy. Yeah, and sure. we will grow, and we will, you know, like an infant. I'm not going to follow this metaphor anywhere. I could, but I will not. Are we, are we going back to the... No, <laughs> don't even bring it up. Um, Wait, yeah. are we going back to the, the, uh, the As fact always, that we are your we are, podcast We dads? are traveling through the birthing canal. <laughs> oh, stop, stop. I remember now. Stop. That okay. was such great uh, <laughs> As always, uh, you can send us an email thetangentcast at gmail.com that's or, my favorite gmail.com or leave us a voice message at 479-339-3041 once again that's 479-339-3041 yikes just realized I left the wrong phone number so the right phone number is 479-339-9041 so 479-339-9041 drop us um, what you thought about devs, your theories, um, your thoughts on free will. Under 30 seconds. Not necessarily. Wow. <laughs> uh, and then, you I know, just don't want some like 
I just don't want some dissertation to show up and I don't want to feel obligated to listen to a 30 minute. Sorry, this is going to seem rude, but if you're out there being like, all right, here I go. Here's my college thesis. And I'm here, I'll listen it to, to it. this. I'll listen to it. Isaac listen will to listen it well. to it. I'm going to be very and open thank you, with you. And thank you for caring enough to want to do that. Yeah, for, for sure. Actually, I hate you and I will not listen to it. <laughs> okay, well, Jameson will be uninvited. I'll get the, I'll get the spark notes from. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, so just send us your thoughts or your favorite book or album yeah. or whatever. Hit them with that number again. I did it twice. You guys can go back and I like three it. times. I no, like it's okay. perfect. Hey, so this is mainly for uh, you sheeple out there, you know, the ones that use uh, Apple products. If you would if you would like to, uh, please leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts uh, so we can boost our ratings up there and make us more known. Do you want to explain that sheeple comment? Uh, I think I'm good. I, th- I think it's pretty obvious. Yeah, obvious. That's the word I'd use. Okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll catch you guys next week. All right.